Welcome to Talking, um, uh, Jimmy Stewart. I'm Tim Vandenberg, and this is a rather remarkable episode, as you're about to hear something unexpected. A recently discovered lost interview with Jimmy Stewart himself. Let me explain. The day is Wednesday, July 11th, 1979. Skylab began falling to Earth. The Bee Gees played live in Oakland, California. Rocky II, Moonraker, and The Muppet Movie were in theaters, and John Wayne had passed away exactly a month earlier on June 11th. To get Jimmy's take on the Duke's passing, Saturday Evening Post writer Pete Martin arranged to meet with Jimmy and Gloria at their home in Beverly Hills. Pete was known for his series of I Call On articles for the Post. I Call On, Grace Kelly, Groucho Marx, Marilyn Monroe, even co-wrote two best-selling biographies, Bing Crosby's Call Me Lucky and Bob Hope's Have Tux Will Travel. A bit more about Pete, one of his first jobs with the Post was to commission artwork from illustrators such as Norman Rockwell. For listeners of this podcast, you may recognize the name Pete Martin and his voice once we get started. It was Pete who was mentioned in our episode with Charles and Erna Reinhardt, authors of Jimmy Stewart on the Air. His was the announcer voice on the promotional record for a series of Jimmy Stewart interviews that Charles was excited to find, only to discover that it used a Jimmy Stewart impersonator. It was this series of interviews that first brought Jimmy and Pete Martin together in the early 60s and is referred to here. Now, the big question you may be wondering, where did this interview come from? Well, this is thanks to William Martin, Pete Martin's grandson. William contacted the Jimmy Stewart Museum about a box of recordings he had found several years earlier in his father's barn in New Hampshire. Much of his grandfather's interview tapes had been donated to the American Heritage Center at the University of Wyoming, but these particular tapes were overlooked, perhaps because they were simply labeled Jimmy and Gloria and seemed of no interest to those analyzing Pete's archives. William Martin shared digital copies with us, which he described as being a difficult process due to the age and brittleness of the tapes. It was often 20 degrees below zero in that barn, and because of such, there were a couple of portions, unfortunately, that were damaged. Also, I should point out that the audio ranges in quality here, again due to age, and as William Martin points out, Pete was no means an audio engineer, and altered the recording levels at different points. A final note, I believe Jimmy would have likely been more on in the performer sense if this had been an interview for broadcast. So keep in mind that this wasn't recorded for that purpose, but to use as story notes for a magazine article. To my knowledge, this never happened, as Mr. Martin passed away the following year. So with that, we're proud to present this lost interview between writer Pete Martin, Jimmy Stewart, and featuring a cameo appearance by Gloria Stewart and Finn the Dog. Here we go. I don't see anything moving. Yeah, I can move. It's moving. See it? That's all there is to it. Yep, sir. Well, let's sit on the wire. You sit over here where you're comfortable. I think I better sit because of my hearing thing. Alright. It's going. We don't have to give it any more thought. Let's put an and turn yourself off. But it's been a long time since I came to see you first. You got a hearing aid, so is my wife, Jimmy. She has to turn those up once in a while. Well, that's... I'll get that glass. You need any more light than that, or I can, I can put... Uh, I don't really need any. I can, more as I can. How's that? That's just fine. I've done a lot of jotted down questions in case I've done other things to talk to you about. I don't think I will. If I collected a lot of, you'd be amazed. Stuff about John Wayne. Amazing. 
Excuse me. I was on a national television show out of Chicago not long ago. Called them Cups and that K U P Cups. Yeah. And uh, they asked me something that I thought I'd ask you. Which I, the only thing I think I was kind of weak on. Our Duke was. Cup said, President uh, Manning so brave and so patriotic and loved his country so much. And I really, I don't, if he had red blood, red, white and blue blood, as far as I know, Duke had in his veins. But then he said, um, people like Gable and Jimmy Stewart went to war and got in uniform, but Duke didn't. How do you make that square with the fact that he's the great American hero? This is the only thing I've got to say. It might sound a little bit negative. The rest of the things are all plus. I thought I'd ask you that first, Jim. Well, you'd be a good man to answer that. You know how I answered it? I told him about all, I wasn't in uniform, but I wrote a hell of a lot about the war and war naval. I was a naval war correspondent for a while. And I tried my best to help the company's morale by just writing. Maybe, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Do you think maybe Duke did that too by, as an actor? Well, I think, number one, Duke was a family man. Duke got a wife and four children. I, uh, he was, uh, he wasn't young uh, and had uh, had that responsibility. And I think that he had a... Hi, Pete. Hello, Duke. Hello. 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 Hi. Mighty happy to see you. <laughs> Jimmy, did you see this? Yeah, beautiful. Isn't that good looking? Hey. Very good looking. I'm surprised Very. I finished it. I hustled it. somebody out of it today. It's not here, cool here, at all. It's here, not a finished Come on. Ben. Ben. Hi. Ben. Now, I'll feed you. Pete, I don't know about Friday. I've got so damn much to do. Oh, no. I've been interviewing. I haven't had a cook in ages. I've got two coming, a Chinese lady and then a Swiss lady. And tomorrow morning, two Chinese gentlemen. Oh, and tomorrow afternoon, I've got, we're giving a party on the 9th for our 30th wedding anniversary. But Friday, I just made a date to go on Friday, Friday night on the airplane. Don't turn me down. Give, give well, me I mean, then for Friday, I've got so much to do on top. I just don't, I've got to go to the hairdressers. I've, at my upstairs girl leaves Friday. Uh, to go on vacation for three weeks, and she's the only one I have in the house. Well, how about Saturday? And then I've got two complete strangers in the house, which I've really got to, uh, you know, uh, teach, you know, show them what to do. Oh, yeah, I want to be a nuisance, but just well, give, me are, a, give me one hour. <laughs> Why, give me one hour on. Why? Why? Maybe, Pete, and uh, would it help if you sort of at the at the end of this with me, Gloria could oh. come down and you could sort oh, of sure. That'd be great. We'll make it all today, either with me or without me, whatever you want. Yeah. Fine. I would have talked to her, but well, you could help with that one talk to what happened in the last sixteen years in your two life which is part I haven't caught up with yet. That's what I want to talk to her about, not about Duke. Not yeah. So maybe make greater she could come join yeah. us when we get all through. You think that's possible? All right. Well I think that this is a Okay. It's a, all right now, boy. Easy. Yeah. Oh, you got almost as yeah. many books as I have. Oh. Well, that, gosh, I'm up against it there, Ms. Marshall. I've got, uh, uh, well, I know I've got tent men and, and uh, caterers and everybody coming Friday. It's a nice dog. 
Oh, I mean, tomorrow they're coming at one o'clock. Uh, I've got, uh, you know, because I'm giving a party on the 9th of hey, August. Like <laughs> so I've got all those people. That's all right. I like dogs. Well, let me see now. Wait a minute. Here, Pete stopped tape for a minute, and then we pick back up with the question that he had asked Jimmy about Duke. I'm so glad you like this. I do. Beautiful. Where you go? Got a place to put it? No. Nope. It, it's small and skinny. We can hang it anywhere. She'll find a place. <laughs> it's shaped like you. Well, let's get back to this part of Duke's life. The only thing anybody questioned me about, I couldn't answer. I really haven't thought about it very much because he, he through his through his career and through the films he's made and uh, through the position he's taken uh, as regards. Duke Wayne and the United States of America and the Constitution and everything. I I, uh, I can't see see of anybody that's uh, that surpassed him in as far as services to his country is concerned. He, it's uh, the uh, uh, the fact that he the fact that he wasn't. D didn't go into un uniform uh, is, uh, I don't think, an important thing when you think of the things that he did for the war effort, for America. Uh, uh, and by building morale, you mean, Jimmy? It, uh, I mean, some. It, it, uh, this this was needed. This was needed to a tremendous extent. How far do you mean by this, Jimmy? When you say this, this uh, boosting people's morale, this uh, traveling to camp, traveling, doing doing that sort of thing, the uh, um, selling bonds and keeping and keeping uh, sort of keeping the whole thing based on. This is a time when the the people's love of country comes to the fore, and this is the time when uh, people show show what they're really made, made of is that they they uh, get in there and help uh, and help with the effort, which I think Duke, Duke, Duke did and. Uh, uh, the fact that he would, wasn't in the armed services, he he uh, he did other things and other uh, other activities and kept this idea of patriotism. Everybody says, well, of course, in in war, uh, patriotism just naturally naturally uh, develops with war. I don't think that's true. I think. Uh, uh, it needs bolstering. It needs 
it, it needs to be brought at the head uh, as an important thing for the people who are coming to the aid of their country in, in time of need. I think Duke did that. Well, in a way, I, I tried to do the same thing. In, in my own field of writing, I tried to help the war effort by, and I suppose that in his field of acting, he did the same thing. You think that's oversimplification, or is that pretty much true? No, I think it's true. I think it's true. I, I think you, uh, I think in the, the pictures that he made, they were expendable. That was uh, Sands of Iwo Jima, this, this type of picture, and what, what he did with the, uh, with the troops, both in training and in training, was is is looking looking back. It was such an important, such an important. Uh, what do you mean in training, Jimmy? Did he visit camps and things like camps, that? Camps, yes. Did he go to Vietnam I, at one point? Did we? He did. I understand he got shot at over there. I don't know. You read? You can read almost anything. Well, this. Uh, you know, he made several trips to Vietnam. He made a picture of Green Berets, which was completely state our case and stated it positively that it was important and that uh, it was something that uh, that the United States was bound to do and and uh, and did it. And uh, I, I I think it was. It, it wasn't somebody saying, hey, Duke, it would be a good time for you to do it. It was Duke's idea. And it was I, his idea because I think that the idea of service to one's country and old-fashioned patriotism and all those were very much a part of Duke's makeup. Well, you know, I'm an old-fashioned guy, too. I'm, old, I'm as old as a Duke. I was brought up to think that, you know, this old saying, our country, right or wrong, our country, and I imagine that's but the core of Duke thinking too, don't you? Think I think it? so. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't see any. Uh, I don't see any reason to think otherwise. Mm -hmm. I, I. I think. I. You know, there's sometimes people get sort of uh, unbeknownst to a lot of people get the the reputation of being such and such, and when you get into the thing further. Uh, you, you find out that no, it's, this has been sort of built up by other people unbeknownst to them, not Duke. I mean, Duke can, can set you very clear as to his feelings about our country. and uh, Very simple, too, I think. Yeah. There was no... Uh, I had... A, they gave him a testimonial dinner, the Boy Scouts... wanted a piece of land out near Hemet, pretty big piece of land and a costly piece of land, but they needed it for the Boy Scouts of this area. Well, a bunch of people got together and uh, gave a uh, banquet. Uh, and in the course of the banquet, they raised $400,000 and bought the camp as quick as that. But this was due. Duke's idea in after That's a lot of money. After this, well, I don't know whether you've seen that or no, not. No, I haven't seen it. I've seen the photograph. How long has that been out? 
I'd like to go to Canton. Not very long. But I'd get to Brentano. Who wrote it? It's a compilation of things or written by some person? It's a, it's a uh, they asked me to do a foreword on it, which I, I have. Uh, I've got to see that then. I buy it but Ben Tano's a bar from you one or the other. But that foreword I need. Well, uh, oh, would you care to read that onto my tape, Jimmy? Just the foreword I mean. How did the book come to be written? I mean, just a little bit of the background. Well, this is gone. That's it. It's it called John Wayne, a tribute. Yeah. Uh, and this forward, just that I wrote, but John Wayne is probably the biggest star in the world. And yet he retained the qualities of a small boy. He had the enthusiasm for life that would make a high school football star envious. And through it all, Duke never changed. As a man, he was exactly the boy he started out to be. And as a friend, well, you just couldn't want a better one. In his lifetime, Duke stamped America across the face of the motion picture industry. Few other men, living or dead, have ever portrayed the fine, decent, and generous American qualities as Duke did. He portrayed on screen the values he lived off screen, gentle, so much so it would have surprised a lot of his critics, loyal, once your friend, always your friend, courageous, if you doubt it, remember his fight against cancer and the way he faced heart surgery and decent. Above all, Duke was a decent man. He was also far from perfect. He made his mistakes as I've made mine and you've made yours. All in all, I would say they were unintentional, mistakes of the heart, I would say. And of course, the man had faults, but I'd, I'd be the one who would cast the, but I wouldn't be the one who would cast the first stone. Let me say this about John Wayne I knew. He was an original. He was the statue of his time. All in all, I think it was the man's integrity that speaks most for him. His principles never varied, nor did his ideas, nor did his faith in mankind. Pretty far-reaching, far sort of generalized, but I... It, uh, it seems when you talk about Duke and, and you say one well, in a general way, the, the general way seems very specific in the way, because uh, this is sort of the way, this is the way Duke came over, I thought. I got a theory, Jimmy, and my own theory, and I'm going to test it out on you and see if there's any way you agree with me. Uh, his death and his character and his personality meant so much to people. Of course, they didn't seem to all know it until he died. He Christ what an outpouring. All the networks had half hours and, and newspapers brought out big sections. But this is my theory. See what you think of it. That in, without knowing it, maybe we're so sick of a kind of a sick violence, a kind of a nasty violence that we see on television or re, in real life, uh, that this man's violence was a sort of an honest, if you could call it an honest violence, at least it, 
They're different from the kind of sick, sick violence, a good word for what I'm trying to talk about, Jimmy. Or do you know what I'm trying to say? His is kind of an old-fashioned American-type violence. I'm not doing it very well. You try to... Do you agree with me in any way on this, Jimmy? If so, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, sick violence, uh, as compared to, what do you mean, uh, uh, Justifiable violence. Violence to a good cause, for example. I've I've come to I've read a lot of a lot of Western scripts lately, and I've gotten sort of to say a sort of a very short thing in uh, in making a sort of an appraisal about most of them. And I said the trouble with this is. The good guys aren't good enough, and the bad guys aren't bad enough. There is a compromising thing with this good guys and the bad guys, which I think is fundamental. Fundamental is a lot of uh, Duke's beliefs and a lot of uh, a lot of the beliefs of our the the good uh, section of our country. There, they don't want to compromise and say, "Well, he's all right sometimes." They uh, uh, or the the, the guy uh, the guy will be mean and nasty, but then he he'll uh, change from time to time. That's this isn't what's meant by the type of thing uh, Duke Wayne was. The good guy was a good good guy for this reason, and he was a hundred percent good guy. The bad guy that played opposite was was a hundred percent bad guy. This, 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 these are the qualities that I think Duke stood for. Now you can say you know you 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 don't have to be that straight laced. Why not? It's just people forgotten how. That's all. It's I, not popular anymore. People are not brought up that way, Jimmy. I don't think. You think that's well, saying it right or not? Well, I, I, uh, I was you know, up you that see, way by you see, you see, you see this thing uh, so often, and you see it in movies, you see it in plays, you read it in books, and you you uh, say, well, it's a it's a new way of of uh, thinking about things, but and the new permissiveness. Well, this, I suppose, this uh, this takes care of, in a way, the the good guys being not good enough and the bad guys being not bad enough. There, there's 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 there, there's room to go off on tangents. There's room. Well, I. This certainly has been accepted to a certain extent. Uh, I frankly go along with Duke. I, don't, I think uh, I, I don't think you can fool around with this very much. I mean, you can the good guy. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't agree with him saying, well, just this one time, this would be all right. Or the bad guy, the, the bad guys through and through. I'm after him, and that's what I think, and I'm going to get him. That that uh, I uh, their their qualities, and I suppose it uh, it 
tends to tends to point more and more to discipline, which, uh, as you say, a dirty word doesn't say discipline has come to be a, a, a un, uncomfortable word. Well, to be cornball, isn't it, almost, isn't it? It's, it's uh, discipline, whether it's, it's voluntary or whether it's imposed. Uh, I, I think you can c compare very, very closely with the good guy, bad guy's uh, uh, sentiments. Uh, it's, a, it's a thing that I don't think, uh, I don't think our, our country can survive without it. To me, in my mind, in, in Duke's acting in his own life, the lines between good and bad were never blurred. That they are today in so many forms of entertainment and books and television and everything. The lines get kind of blurred. And Dick, I don't tell me if I'm wrong. Don't you think in Duke's life and his movies, there wasn't any blurring between good and bad? You knew exactly where one ended and the other left off. Don't you think that's true? I think it's true. I think it's true, and I think also that. Uh, in the in the transfer from silent pictures to the talking picture, this was absolutely no problem for Duke because Duke is a visual man anyway. His strength is is visual. It's there for you to see. You don't have to fish around in this character and then say. Oh, there is a strength behind that. It's right there. Can you see? I think the the uh, the silent pictures used the medium as a visual medium, which I think uh, is the way it should be used. I think uh, sound came in. Sound was an addition. Uh, an addition. Sound certainly isn't the basic. Uh, and one of the basic qualities of the motion picture. Sound is an addition that can be of value. I don't, think, it, it, I don't think... There was no handicap to him, was it, like it was to some people? Never never was a handicap to him or, or to John Ford. Uh, now, that was really a man. I talked to him a lot about Duke when I did a story about him. Yeah. Quite a man, John Ford. You think, in a way, Duke is a reflection of his... Personality and his thinking, John Ford's, or, or not? Or is it more complicated than that? I don't think it's complicated. I think they, I think he, uh, I, I think they became very dear friends. They, uh, he became like a son, mm -hmm. and I think uh, Duke uh, loved Ford and uh, loved everything about him. And uh, would do anything in the world for him, and was devoted, and was uh, uh, well. I th I think this is one of the uh, sort of examples that Duke set up that a lot of people followed, because this idea of of an actor the, uh, uh, and a movie star of Duke stature being directed by uh, a, a, a director who gave him his first job, got him started, 
there wasn't anything of this Duke the Star shooting Webb up and leave, leaving the director behind. There was this terrible bond between them and Duke and one of John Ford. I thought they were very much alike in many ways, those two, don't you? Really? I think they gave each other things. That it was an intertwining that uh, that came out of a, a wonderful sort of uh, a wonderful mixture of things that uh, are very important. I uh, lots of times you you uh, when you think of all the different tangents that. Ford went off on and everything, and in a way, some of the ones that uh, Duke went on. But when when it comes right down to it, all these tangents were were really just a little spin-off because at the base of all these tangents was this very straight, honest line of integrity, and. Uh, no one could take that away from them, and no one even tried. I think one of the simplest things is you can't imagine Duke shooting anybody from behind. He was going to shoot him, shoot him from right in front, and let him know he's getting ready to give him a chance to fill their hands with a gun. Yeah. That was part of his thinking, I think, in movies and life too, don't you, Jimmy? I think so. I think so. There's no. Well, this is a this is a part of the strength. This is a part of, and the visual strength. This is uh, the uh, with, with Ford and Wayne. I think it was one of the things that added to them that uh, Wayne was able to uh, to give to other people and to other directors. I think it all came from Wayne's. Uh, integrity that he had before he met Ford, I think. Mm -hmm. And so that they gave, they took and gave. They they gave each other some of themselves. And I uh, I think the result was an ideal, the ideal way to uh, make a motion picture, and that is using the medium as a visual medium to a bigger extent than any other kind of a medium. You use it as a visual medium and use the co components that make a, a movie, the westerns that he did, but uh, Green with My Valley, what, whatever you want, all of them are visual. Stage cartoon. All of them, all of them are, are, are visual. But in a way, what he had to say fitted in with the visual things that he believed in, too. He didn't say much, but what he said was strong, too, wasn't it? The strength, like his, like the visual traits, too. Don't you think they blended, That's Jim? right. That's right. But what it went back to strength. Mm -hmm. The words were well chosen. That's I simple mean, words, Ford, too. Ford knew a good writer when he had one, and, and uh, I, I think Duke recognized good writing. He recognized writing adaptable to the motion picture. If he'd read down these lines and lines of dialogue, now, I remember a picture, Liberty Balance, that I, I, uh, I'll never forget. We we had what uh, Ford called a dressing room, uh, uh, a rehearsal room, 
which was a couple of pieces of canvas and an old table and some... Uh, I don't know who he was trying to impress because he wouldn't let anybody on the set, so I, I don't know. Uh, but we'd get in there and uh, he'd first say, what, what scene are we on? Well, somebody would give him the scene. Say, well, read this through. So we'd read it through and he said, everybody's talking too much. Would you cut down on the words after that? Every, he said, do it again. And he'd stop somebody and he'd say, do it. And he'd take that page out and he'd say, now read it without that. Just throw it away, you mean, Jimmy? Yeah. That's wonderful. I, I, I was there, we took four pages. The scene was maybe 10 pages long. He, he took he took four pages out, and the, and it, it it was better. They weren't needed. Isn't that wonderful? It's a good story, it really is. It's true, I know too. I I just personally with this this word thing and this uh, I remember I did did a picture long time ago, and this was when after the movie stop fighting radio and uh, uh, sort of used it as an advertisement for their pictures which turned out to be a very good thing but they had the the, the Lux Radio Theater you remember out remember here that De DeMille I remember. hosted everything well a lot of the uh, studios would get these uh, they submit a script and uh, get most of the cast that they could and do it as a radio play with all the effects and everything. Well, I had this picture called Winchester 73. Oh, I remember it. And I, uh, they submitted it and uh, the play was sent back and they said, we, we, can't, uh, we, we can't use this play. You'll have to get another because nobody says anything in this play. And we, we, this is in our program, and we, we, uh, we can't fill in the time that uh, uh, that uh, the the movie takes an action, and so we don't we can't we can't let sound effects of fake horse. We we we've got to have something, uh, and the thing the thing uh, wasn't put on the air, but for that very reason. Too many words, you mean, or too little? There were just there there was. In other words, the the picture was was as far as movies were concerned, uh, it it was done right. They believed in sort of magic of lots of words. Somebody did, I suppose. That would take care of everything. Just words burbling over words, I suppose. Well, I think it's a I think it's a uh, it's an offshoot from the theater, which is the medium of the spoken word. I mean, this, uh, this, uh, you, you've got the Shakespeare and O'Neill and the, the, the uh, all the things, oh, the, 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 the whole atmosphere, the whole, uh, the, the, the conditions of the uh, story at different points all depend on the spoken word. Well, God, I think Duke was God's gift to the people who didn't believe in the spoken word, don't you really? Can we put it that way? Because he didn't speak very damn much, and when he did, it was very simple and very blunt and very sparse. 
But it, no, now that you say it, I don't think uh, I don't think Duke cared particularly for the for the spoken word. He never, I never heard him talk much. Didn't he have a way of sort of breaking his sentences in half and sort of stopping halfway through a sentence? And then I heard somebody said he learned that from Yakima Canute. Are you, are you aware of the fact that when Duke spoke, not like me, just running off at the mouth, he'd say something and then he'd sort of stop in the middle and then go on with the sentence? Yeah. You do that a little bit too, Jimmy. You don't know it, but you do. Yeah, I think, uh, but I, I heard, I heard Duke, uh, talking to somebody because somebody asked him about it and he said sure sure I do that this is a part of this is a part of the way I want to emphasize either what's just taken place or what's going to take place and I, I can do it also to emphasize my attitude to the person I'm talking to and the, and the viewer out the theater too. Whether yeah. I'm throwing it off and saying nothing important, or you listen to everything I'm going to say because I'm going to give it to you clear, and for this the pause before it, and then let them have it. No, I think this is a. Uh, it, it it isn't. As I remember Duke telling it, it isn't exactly a pause it's it's a it's a sort of change of emphasis and this takes a little more time than just running out a string of words and if you want to emphasize uh, not not just by a, a thing that one word would say if you want to emphasize the whole sentence you can do it and you can get people's attention by uh, just that much by n not a not a hammer and har that I'm I'm uh, want to do every time lots of times and lots of times too many but I it's a it's an intention getter and I think I, I think this became very much a part of of Duke's character and a very good part of the way of using words. Tell me, uh, some, I, I wrote you a letter in which I told you about you were Mr. Honey and you were Glenn Miller, and you were too to me. I, I, you'd be surprised if you're never on a lead movie without me watching it, Jimmy. I'm one of the damnedest fans you ever saw of you. But what I'm driving at was that, uh, do you think it'd be fair to say that Duke could act or was always Duke, Richard? Could you make some kind of distinction there? Some of his, for example, I thought True Grit, I've always thought was one of his best movies. I enjoy that more than Stagecoach, but nobody talks a hell of a lot about it. I don't mean True Grit, I mean the one with Maureen O'Hara, The Quiet Man. I thought that was terrific. Quiet Man, I and That was quite too. different from a Western, too, wasn't it? Yeah. Now, he wasn't just Don Wayne and that, the way he was in Stagecoach, was he? No. But tell me about his difference, Jimmy. I don't want to put it in my words. If there was different, tell me how you thought he was different. Well, I... I think Duke uh, did what a lot of people have, do, have done, and this is not in my words, this is in the words of Olivier, and I would forget where I was, but I heard him say this, that he approaches every part 
and he plays Laurence Olivier with deference to the character in the story. And I think that's what Duke does. And, that, and he's one of the great, we all admit that Olivier is one of the greatest actors of our time, don't uh, we? And if, and if, and if he, I forget where it was, it, uh, we were certainly talking about the acting and he was uh, something, but he was very, he was very uh, positive about it, didn't just slough it off, he made, he made a statement. Uh, so uh, in answer to the question, uh, do you feel that uh, you uh, you were Olivier in too many of your characterizations? He said, No, I don't. I'm, I'm I know I'm Lawrence Olivier. Tracy said, You know, somebody asked, well, Don't you get Don't you get tired playing Spencer Tracy? Tracy said, Who the hell you want me to play Humphrey Bogart? <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, but he uh, uh, he 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 knows he's Lawrence Olivier. He he plays Lawrence Olivier with deference to the character that he's uh, playing on film. I think, and I think that's a a reasonable reasonable. uh, enough. uh, I I think to analyze. And to tr- to try to to uh, pinpoint uh, exactly the method which this actor, this actress, this uh, the me- the method by which they are able to sustain a character and put the character over. Uh, I think you can talk and argue. Uh, I, I think you've covered it, Jim. A long time about it, but uh, uh, some of it, I think, has to do with a certain talent that it's pretty hard to explain. But somebody's got it. There's no you're kidding about that. They wouldn't make it if they didn't have that talent, would they? No, no. But it, it's a, a lot of this area you get into. It's and you you know when you now are there any questions? Mr. Stewart will answer all the questions. Uh, you know they come up, come up, uh, they come come up a lot. How do you approach a part, and what do you, uh, how do you uh, do this? Uh, 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 do you uh, do you try to keep uh, your own person out of the character? All those boil into the same thing. They just say, uh, don't you get tired playing Jim, Jimmy Stewart? My answer is no. My answer is that I, uh, I haven't, uh, and I think Duke's answer would be the same thing. Duke, Duke, I, I've heard him, I've heard him say, uh, they, we're talking about actor, and he said, well, I'm, I'm, I don't act, I react. Well, no, this is a, this is sort of a glib uh, comeback to, uh, a conversation about this acting business and everything, but I think as usual, Duke, uh, there was a lot in what he said, because I think there are the, so many things. Looking over 44 years in the movie, there, there's so many things that I've found 
that have to do with re reaction to something that has happened, to something that has just been said, but it's on you. I, I call it little pieces of time, little, little things that happen that visually, you don't say anything, this is a visual thing, visually they give people things that, that they'll remember for years. Well, I, I won't interrupt, but one of my favorite of all your shows, I think you'd know by this time, is Mr. Honey. And, and uh, now that you mentioned visually, because I didn't think you were Jimmy Stewart and that at all. I just thought you were Mr. Honey. But what you were talking about was true. Mr. Honey was visual, mostly, the way he acted, the way he walked, the way he talked, everything about him. Uh, I see what you mean. But to me, he wasn't, wasn't Jimmy Stewart. He was Mr. Honey at the same time, but it was visual, wasn't it? First time you explained it to me, somebody has. Now I understand, Jimmy. It was visual. It's one of the best and, visual things you ever did. And and by being visual, I think it's presenting it's presenting it in a visual way, which I think is the best way to uh, present a character in the movies. Now, can I change the subject just a little bit? I had a chapter in a book I wrote one called Tall in the Saddle. I had you and Duke Wayne and Clark Gable, the fourth one, I forget who it was, and, and you're about the only one of those left. I never forget the night, Jimmy, when I think it was at the Academy Award when you sent a message to Coop, who was home sick and dying, that you had something you were bringing home to him. Your voice kind of choked. I choked along with you. Remember that instant at all? Yeah. Well, now what I'm getting at is I have a feeling, maybe I'm just an old fart, an old-fashioned guy, but the fact that people are like Coop and Duke are going and people of that kind, it's, it leaves something lacking in the motion picture world to me. I don't know whether you agree with me or not, but it sure does to me anyhow, Jimmy. How do you feel about passing of some of these people? I don't think there's anybody came along that, that kind of takes their place. Certainly, Coop was a very quiet man. He was very visual, wasn't he? No, no. And you are too. And right. certainly Duke was. Yes. Well, a whole, is there a whole new kind of thing coming along, a school of acting? Because I don't think you and Coop and Duke are like anybody else I know. Gable, I, for that matter. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is a different, uh, a, a different means. Uh, I mean, they, these little, little things that happen, little pieces of time. I say, just little reactions. Dukes react. Mm -hmm. Little right that they're on you. Uh, people don't people don't seem to put as much emphasis on this reacting, on this visual reaction as they used to. And I I think the uh, uh, the lots of the picture, pictures uh, suffer from this because. Being a visual medium, if you have a situation that is dramatic, that is a part of the story, that to get it over effectively, it will enhance the story and and bring the audience closer to to uh, the the story itself and understanding what the author's the director's trying to do. 
to to cut out the glibness. glibness of, the things that are cut out the glibness for one thing. They're just burbling along. Yeah. Mr. Smith goes to Washington, for example. It wasn't important if she talked. The fact of most important thing, she lost your voice and couldn't talk much at all. It was to me, as I recall it. Yeah. Has that it, got anything to do with what we're talking about, Jimmy? Yeah. It. It. it uh, this. This to me, I miss in uh, lots of pictures now, mm -hmm. is that they seem to be skimming over the the reaction when when uh, the camera seems to be moving so much that y you're uh, you, you don't you don't seem to to have have a chance to to understand that whole reaction that should be to someone some some something that's happened or some what some line that somebody has said it, turning in I, I in the searchers I, well, I don't right, I'll turn this don't on know how I want to answer it just go right ahead no I really wanted to hear what he was going to say about the searchers, but they stopped tape after the phone rings. A quick note, the Mr. Honey character Pete spoke about was from No Highway in the Sky, an underrated movie. Now we continue. I said, what did John mean, mean to you? Well, he said, I used to live next, practically next door to him for a while. And said, one main thing I remember about him, if the Boy Scouts or some cores needed some dough, John was always good for two, three hundred bucks. He didn't ask much. He just gave the money. But the other thing he said that I want to talk to you about, he said there was a hell of a lot of, uh, the whole nation was concerned about when he died. Everybody talked about him. Everybody thought about him. But he said, I, I, I don't think it's going to last very long. I think people will forget. Do you think they might forget, Jimmy, or not? I hope not, but I don't want to put your words into it. They can't keep up this uh, terrific torrent of stuff that came out of him, I suppose. I never saw so much good about any one person. Well, uh, I think it was that I, I, I wouldn't be able to answer it because I don't think there's ever been a person quite like this way. So you couldn't compare it. There's nothing to compare it with, then, is there? No. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by by being a, a, an original. It. Uh, I, I just don't think there's. I just don't think there's a. I marked some things in there as I went along. I would ask you about. I just don't don't think there, there's a, a, anyone ever been quite like him, and uh, and for that reason, uh, when you say, well, uh, when are we going to get another Duke Wayne? I I, uh, I don't know. I think we've had the Duke Wayne. I don't think we're going to get another one. Someone coming along anyway, do you? No. But to, to get back to my theory that one of the reasons people felt so deeply about him was the kind of... They aren't the people that they get on tel television and the screen and the stage these days. Are just There's nobody like Duke Wayne. They, they have a different kind of... Uh, get back to that violence. Kind of a sick violence, kind of an unhealthy violence. Sometimes it's drug-induced violence. Sometimes it's just pure greed. I don't think Duke had any, 
back of his bias was a desire to right wrong. I think I don't. I'm sorry, I know I'm sounding like a child when I say this, but but that's as simple as I think it is. I don't know how you feel about it. Well, that's going back to the the good guys and the bad guys. Yeah. The good guys and the bad guys, and the and nowadays it's sort of the the the, the good guys. Uh, aren't good enough, and the bad guys aren't bad enough. They, they uh, and it sort of all melds into a sort of not very specific type character that is that uh, is full of surprises, and and uh, it all comes out as a little confusing. Duke, uh, I don't think there was ever. Uh, Duke, to me, sort of like what I've always felt the ingredients of a play should be. You should have a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, I, I think I, th I think Duke Duke gave a very good example of that. I think his career and his, his life and his career both. You mean? Because his life suddenly had that of end, by end by God, anyhow, and a yes. middle and a nobody knows much about the beginning, but the middle and the end were suddenly everybody knows about. Yes, and the the uh, the end was carried out in uh, the traditional Duke way. I mean, he's. Uh, had his family with him all the time. He had, uh, they started when the pain started getting bad. He, they, the medication came on, but he found that the medication got him a little woozy, so he didn't recognize his kids and he couldn't carry on a conversation. He said, "To hell with the medication." He'd rather have the pain. I'll have. I'll have the pain because I want to talk to these kids because I don't have very long to talk to. God, that takes guts to me, Jimmy. It really does. I'm quite impressed. It's, I didn't it, know that. But, but this is a... It didn't surprise me when I... I made a... I made a... Uh, I remember uh, next to last time, I saw about 10 days before he died, and then after the heart not after he was getting over the, well, I guess uh, after the stomach thing and everything. And uh, nobody, nobody had uh, been up to see him, or at least nobody, but I knew what floor he was on, and they're doing a lot of remodeling out in of UCLA. Yeah. So I just sneaked in the door, and I just I knew the ninth floor, and I went up. They were taking cement up, the, uh, and I kept getting up farther and farther, and I saw them. Finally saw them, and saw a fellow who I recognized who had worked for Duke a long time. And I, was, and I said, could I just come in and say hello to the Duke? I just wanted to know. And uh, he came in, and, uh, after, uh, and Duke was sit, sitting up. Had, um, and uh, had a smile, everything. And I, th I, I'm no good at this saying the right thing. I, but it came in the 
first five minutes of our conversation, he said, you, you know, I said to him, you're, you're setting a wonderful example for an awful lot of people. By what? By guts and courage, you mean? By, by doing what, Jimmy? Well, by by fighting this thing, thing and by, by not... Uh, by not giving in to it, by just uh, by just giving it and seeing as much of your family as you do and keeping uh, keeping things going, that you're setting an example for a lot of people. He said, "Yeah, that that's that's all right, but I'm tired of setting examples," which I thought was pretty good. Understand? But, but I it it only it only made me realize that Duke realize the things that he did and the importance of them and he uh, the the importance of his his devotion to his country he didn't take that lightly I'm sure you know I know he didn't he didn't take that lightly he didn't he, he didn't uh, he, he, he didn't blow his horn and get out and uh, wave the flag and do, do all these sort of superficial things. He did it where it hits most, and he did it uh, in, in the right way, I think. I hate, I hate to, I'm not comparing myself with Duke, but uh, I'm just about as much against subversion and believing in foreign ideologies as Duke was, and, and people are trying, trying to tear down the country from inside by being Radicals burn me as much as they did Duke. You might not think so because I'm not a cowboy or an actor, but Jesus, they do bother me. Yeah. And I have, and he did, he, he really, uh, when he, for example, they said, what was it, the Green Berets? People told him it would be a flop because it was the wrong kind of war. Christ, it made, more money. it made a hell of a lot of money. Didn't as I recall, it was a very successful movie or not. I wouldn't know, Jimmy. It was, it was a successful picture. You know, it didn't, it didn't do these hundreds of millions of dollars that that Jaws did about the shark-eating people. But That's it. Exaggerated. Keep, every paper I picked up, they Duke making more money for the movies, billions and millions. Everybody just tried to make it more as you went along. Do you think they overdid it at all? Now, for example, this morning I was reading there should be a Duke Wayne Day on it, and the country celebrates on his birthday like almost the president's birthday. Somebody thinks there should be a statue of Wayne in Washington. You think maybe they're overdoing it a little bit? Duke wouldn't re require all that stuff. People are going to remember him anyhow without all that, I think, do, uh, Jimmy. Well, I I'd think, like to have you say so if you agree with me anyhow. Well, I think this is a part of what you were saying before. This is a part of the tremendous amount of, of coverage in the, in the whole country, which he expresses, I think, the, the countries and the world's feeling of loss and uh, I but I I think I think the way Duke handled the funeral thing this was his own this was, was for his family he and told him to was, do it that way I never knew was the family's idea or Duke's idea the way the family Duke's was idea. Duke's idea that never been made clear to me it, uh, it was Paul Keyes told me I mean I who's Keyes Jimmy I don't Paul, know Paul Keyes a, a director and producer mostly of television has been a, and a writer awful good writer and uh, he'd been a friend of Duke's for a long time and mine 
He's he started with the first laugh-ins. He's a wonderful comedy uh, writer and everything. So he knew Duke, Duke very well and wrote a lot of stuff, remarks for Duke to uh, to say at uh, at this affair or that affair. But I uh, he told me that Duke said no, no, no this is going to be it's going to be quiet. It's going to be uh, a family affair, and that's it. That's it. I think that's. I think that this is the way it should be. And tell me what I'd really like to have you say in your own words. Don't say it if you don't want to. But that they don't. They don't need that kind of memorial for Duke, like a Duke Wayne Day or a statue in Washington. I think we all got one somewhere in our guts. I have anyhow. I don't know how many young people feel that way about him, but I sure do. Can you put that in your own words, Jimmy, or do you agree with me? Well, I. I think. Duke Wayne has left his mark, a mark of, of decency, love of country, love of family, and uh, devotion to uh, the good things in life and to God. I think that, that, that Duke himself have left these qualities and people have them without setting up a whole lot of statues and everything. That's exactly what I hoped you might say, Jimmy. You said it much better than I did, but you did it good. Turn this tape over. I don't want to lose anything. So glad I came to see you. Pete gets a quote he was looking for and we pick up after they turn the tape over. Tell me a little bit about the shooters. That, that seems, when I saw it, you telling him that he had, I saw it, they did it, you know, while you were in Paris, they showed a shot from that film, when you told him he had cancer in an advanced state. Is that at all hooked up with the fact that they knew he had cancer or had had cancer, that movie, and whose idea was it to make the shooters, Jimmy? I think, I think it was Duke's, really, but he took, he took it to Frankovich, which he hadn't worked for before, and Frankovich did a fine job of producing it. And everything, but I, I, I think the idea was Duke's. And what was he hoping to prove by doing this man's battle against that trouble? At that point, he thought he had it licked, didn't he? And he had an operation and thought he had it all over with. I'm wrong. I may be wrong on this, Jimmy. Because I don't well, know. Well, I, I, I think it was that, it was that point where uh, it was a little uncertain, you know. I, I, the idea that he felt that he had it licked and everything. He did, he, this was Duke. This is the way he, he handled it. He, uh, right after the operator, a month after he finished the operation, he was doing a Western down Durango, call, uh, Durango, Mexico, 6,000 feet. Had he lost a lot of weight at no, that point? No. no. It's so thin towards the end. No, but but uh, in the end, the the final time I saw him, I, I just I didn't want to talk to anybody after I'd seen him because he, although he had the spirit and everything, there was nothing left of him. I know what you mean, my dear friend, dearest friend, Gene Hobart, Merritt Merritt Hobart, who used to be story editor for Paramount. She died of cancer of the lungs and throat. I wish I hadn't seen her the last time I'd seen her. I loved her dearly, but that last time I'll never forget. She, no, it's it's. Uh, 
I had I had never done that. I'd never seen. Uh, uh, I mean, the disease take completely a person at all. There was just drain them, huh? drain them, doesn't it? Uh, it's just uh, gone. There's nothing. It's distressing. Do you never forget it? I bet Jim. No, no, I just couldn't. Uh, but uh, but there again, you know, it's. Uh, I'm glad I. But the shoot is successful. Did it make it, what you call a successful motion picture or not? I wouldn't know. I no, that's it, one I didn't see. It didn't. Uh, it, it it didn't do very well. Uh, I mean, Western movies in the last two three years haven't done very well. But this is, uh, I think, it. There have been trends like this since I don't know how long. I just I saw you and John went in a movie in which you both left a poorhouse in a, somebody's will. I thought you did a great job and it was very amusing. But it reminded me of a thing called the what is this greatest little whorehouse in Texas? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't too far removed from that, was it? No. Or did you notice? No, but they stole it. This was Hank Fonda was in it. I know with you, uh, yeah. But they. Uh, I think they stole it from us. I had a hunch they did. <laughs> it was a very amusing picture, I thought. Yeah, I, it was... You see, I do uh, see your picture, Jim. <laughs> they, they, uh, I like the idea that James Lee Barrett, who, who's uh, written a lot of stuff I've done, an awful good writer, and a no-nonsense writer, you know, got the stuff. He called me up at 3 o'clock in the morning one time and said, Jim, I've got to get up in the morning. What do you, what do you call me so late for? He said, well, never mind. You're up now. He said, what would you think if uh, your buddy and you were down uh, herding cows in uh, Texas and you hear that your brother's died and he's left you in his will, and that's a piece of property in Cheyenne. Well, she didn't know right off what it was. I, yeah, and, and the, you and your buddy pick up uh, your gear and go to Cheyenne, and it, turn, it turns out to be a fully staffed whorehouse. What would you think? I said, Jim, I think it's fine. It's a wonderful idea. No, I, I've got to get to bed. He said, all right, I just wanted to know. <laughs> three, three weeks later, we, we had had the script in, in work, and we were going to do the picture. It was a lot of fun. I thought and you had a good time. You even found it. Just too, fine. Just fine. Tell me, Jim, I, I know what Coop done an awful lot to you. Do you think there's any comparison to say that we lost something in Coop, the same kind of a man we lost in Duke? Or do you think that's pushing it a little too far? Because I, refer, I thought Coop was a great guy. I interviewed him one time. I would tell you how. He came into Beverly Hills Hotel. I've been waiting for him for two weeks to come back from Southampton where his wife was. By the time he got there, I almost didn't give a damn whether I had an interview or not. So he walked in the front door and said, that kind of kicked that imaginary cow turd around. And said, Mr. Martin, I don't know why anybody wants to read anything about me. And I said, well, Duke, if you feel like, well, let's have lunch. We'll have a couple of drinks and forget the whole goddamn thing. But just like I pushed the button, he talked like a girl for two hours after that. I, it was the right thing to say, Jimmy, believe it or not. I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't think I was the right thing, but it worked like a charm. Yeah. I don't know whether you ever read that piece I did with Duke or not, but I remember saying in it that you and Duke had a conversation about going gunning, but didn't exchange a word that one of you pointed me and you meant that you were going off shooting something. God knows what it was. Do you remember that at all? 
Yeah, I, I think, had that in my story. I think, we were, I think we were going someplace, and we went for a long time, the two of us in the car, and not a word. Nobody said a word. But one time he saw, I think there were doves, I don't think, think there were any, but, but he, he just went bang. And then we went back and didn't say another word. I had that in my story. Yeah. But you were so rocked. I remember. Am I wrong about that time? But it wasn't at Academy Award when Cooper couldn't come, and you said, "Cooper, I'm coming home to tell you something or bring you something," and you kind of choked up when you said it. Was yeah. what was that? Was the special Oscar for him or something? Just a special. I, I think the the Academy knew about about it it was pretty uh, carefully but i they but you asked, knew, obviously you knew and duke uh, uh, coop asked me to uh coop asked me to get the thing i and i just uh did the best i could i didn't no. i didn't want to say very much and i didn't uh you didn't but it was clear to me you were very moved you, and i just Jim. wanted to do it to get get it off is any comp any can I draw any kind of comparison between those two men's going? They were both silent sort of types. They didn't say a hell of a lot. They were both sort of Western people to me, outdoors, big, strong, solid men. Do you think I'm drawing, a, pulling too much of a, a comparison between them or not? Well, there's certainly a comparison, but I, I don't think when people are original, mm -hmm. like Wayne, I think Cooper was an original. You sure what? It's a little difficult to compare them. Even if they're original in somewhat the same way, you mean? Yeah. They, 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 uh, they uh, uh, to me, an original has so much, uh, so many attributes that are entirely his that you couldn't imagine anybody else fooling around with them. I, I see the difference, then they're, yeah. Then they're, they're hard to, uh, it's hard to compare them. I well, absolutely, you're absolutely right. There wasn't any comparison, really, when you come down to it. No, it just—it's uh, very, very, very difficult to. But the same token, I have a feeling there's something going out of life and motion pictures, and when, when losing those two guys, maybe I'm just being over sentimental. I don't think I am. I'm a sentimental guy, Jim. I write to you that way sometimes. I'm sorry I do, but I do. Well, I'm a sentimental guy, and I, but I, I, just from observation over the last years and years and years, I just had a feeling that there are, there are, uh, an, uh, to be an original is a very special sort of thing for a human being because it means it means that you when you're gone have accumulated a, a, a number of things that are yours and it doesn't matter whether another person comes and gets the same sort of parts and the same sort of and fits into the same niche that you did when you were by it's still not quite the same because you were the original you know what I think that's a good place to end that's, that's a good end for me yeah 
All right, this concludes part one of a lost interview featuring Jimmy Stewart at his home in July of 1979. In our next episode, Pete begins a second interview that day featuring Jimmy and Gloria. We will save that for next time, and I think you all will really enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon.